For example, Web3 Familia, like we're essentially a community and through the work that we do um, as the core team and bringing these resources to people that are within a community, we're able to help them also learn more about Web3. So I feel like Web3 thrives on community. It's the only way that it could live. Having the community, it's like you have to find that trust and that trust comes from like meeting with people, like thinking things through the goods and the bad. Uh, and then meeting in person through like the Chicago workshop. Like, that's an incredibly powerful way to overcome that trust barrier. Uh, so with Web3 Familia, one of the things is like, we don't really say, hey, we have these funnels where we can let you find your space on Web3, but instead we offer this space for people to voice what interests them and then them kind of self-select into pods on what interests them the most, whether it's NFT investing, creating an NFT, joining a DAO, uh, or getting into DeFi and knowing like where to put their money to work. You're listening to Moneda Moves, a podcast where we cover the intersection of money and cultura. I'm your host, Leon Alfaro, a Latina award-winning journalist, producer, and strategist. On this podcast, I will highlight stories illustrating Latinx relationships with money, our contributions, and role in the American economy. Here, we'll increase transparency around the netto issues and achievements of our community, as well as that of our POC peers, to inspire you to pursue your own financial poder. Join me bi-weekly as we cover stories with our community's front and center, alongside dinero experts, entrepreneurs, and innovators. No te lo quieres perder. Hello, Moneda Moves fam. It's your host, Leanne, and I'm so excited to share today's interview with Web3 Familia, a nonprofit DAO activating across the country to educate, onboard, and connect the Latinx community in the Web3 space. But first, I want to give you a bit of a personal update that will impact listeners of the show. Earlier this year, Moneda Moves was chosen to be one of seven teams around the world to be a part of the Google Podcast Creators Program, a five-month accelerator that will provide funding and mentorship to help us grow and help us better serve you. We're so excited to share updates from the journey. And in the meantime, you can expect one of the moves episodes to drop on a monthly and ad hoc basis for the rest of the year. We've already hit the ground running with the program and are eager to come back in full capacity, even better in 2023. In the meantime, if you like the show, please, please, please leave a review in Apple Podcasts or Spotify. It would mean the world to us. Now on to today's episode. Today we're speaking with Orlando Gomez and Magdalena Madrigal, the two co-founders of Web3 Familia, a decentralized autonomous organization. And if that's a mouthful, it is for me as well. So just a bit of a lowdown on what a DAO is. It's an organization run by rules encoded as a transparent computer program. So let's take a pause there. It's basically controlled by the organization's members versus, say, a central government or a hierarchical structure. No managers are needed, and the idea is that this would eliminate bureaucracy and some of the red tape, thus truly making it a project with shared ownership by the community driving the project forward. And that's a word you'll want to listen for in this interview, community. Web3 believes and relies heavily in this concept and that when you leverage community plus the power of blockchain technology, we can really reimagine the way organizations work today. So we're speaking with Web3 Familia about how they're onboarding, you heard this right, 1 million Latinos across the country to Web3 and the opportunity they see in this space, not only for the Latinx community, but anyone who wants to get involved. 
We also discuss how their DAO is run, opportunities for growth in the space, and how Web3 can benefit creatives. No te lo quieres perder? Let's dive right in. We're ready. Welcome back to another episode of Moneda Moves. I'm your host, Leon Alfaro, and joining us today are two of four co-founders of Web3 Familia on a mission to onboard 1 million Latinos to Web3. A super huge goal. So thank you so much for joining us, Magdalena Madrigal, Orlando Gomez, co-founders of Web3 Familia, and welcome to the show. Thanks for having us. Happy to be here. <laughs> let's let's talk a little bit more about the organization's mission and vision, because I remember I, I first saw your branding, and that's honestly what drew me to it. And then this lofty goal of onboarding 1 million Latinos. And I want to know a little bit more of the origin story. So can you all walk me through that? What's the origin story and, and how your mission and vision came to be? I can kick it off with the origin story. So what three family has been around since November of last year. So we're going on, what is that? Seven months now, which is incredible. Um, and it's just grown so much since like that original tweet that was essentially, I tweeted out, um, where like the Latinos were, uh, in crypto and like who would want to learn and build together because I had just come across NFTs and blockchain. Um, and, uh, and that was because at Harlem capital, I had just finished an internship saw a ton of talent building in the space uh, and was like, wow, like this is going to be an amazing thing. Like Latinos can benefit from it. And coming from like a finance background as well, realized that like it took me forever to convince uh, my own communities and my parents to invest in the stock market. It's probably going to take just as long, if not longer for crypto. So we should start quickly. Uh, so sent out a tweet and then just reached out to like the, the people that I like most respected the most in terms of like people who I felt like had amazing superpowers who could contribute to the space and who like I wanted to work like side by side with. And like Mags was like one of the first names in my mind because she has like this incredible superpower of bringing people together and community building, which is like, and like the education piece it was like absolutely essential for bringing people and onboarding people to Web3 in the most authentic and most valuable way. Uh, so she uh, luckily like said, yeah, okay, I'll hop on some calls. And then since then um, has really just completely elevated this organization and her and two other founders, Christian and um, Cisco, uh, along with, we had another founder, uh, Aaron. Um, we've like worked strong together and it's just been this amazing, uh, beautiful journey so far. Yeah, such kind words, Orlando. Thank you. <laughs> um, but yeah, I can I can add on to the story a little bit as well. Okay, sweet. Yeah, so when Orlando had reached out, I had just started learning about Web3 earlier last year. Um, I would say around March because I heard about how it could change the education system. And that's just something that I've always had a passion for. Um, being involved with state legislatures have always been more... Uh, I paid more attention to the educational policy and I was like, okay, what could I do, you know, within my time frame of my life that could actually change it? And it just felt like it was going to not happen during my lifetime because um, it moves so slowly when it goes through state legislatures. And so when learning more about Web3, I was like, wait a second, this could absolutely change it in a couple of years. Um, so when Orlando had reached out and had mentioned that Web3 Familia was about education um, and Latinos, and I was just excited about the combination, um, I had hopped on board right away. And yeah, and we've just been kind of growing it together with the rest of the team since then. 
Yeah, and I, I usually don't get to meet all my guests ahead of time, but Magda, I was I was I had the pleasure of meeting you in Chicago, and I just moved back to my hometown, and I love all the intersections here because Orlando, you're from the south side of Chicago, so represent. But I met you at an onboarding event, so you have these onboarding events that you do across the country, and uh, what is it that you teach in these classes? Yeah, absolutely. So a little bit, of, a little bit about the Chicago chapter. Um, so we came about because of the Chicago Web three presence that exists, and it's very small, but it's very strong. Um, and like the rest of us Chicagoans, we we gravitate towards each other when we have a goal, and we're like, how can we make this pop off, right? So um, I met a couple of other people through some events that were happening here related to Web three, and looped them into Web three Familia. Right away, I met this guy named Will, which you got a chance to meet, and I was like, Will there's this organization. I know you really want to educate Latinos, um, you know, jump on board to Web3 Familia and let's see how we can do this together. And so since then, we were able to put on onboarding events every month. Um, And what they look like is basically a combination of things that we didn't like and liked of from other Web3 events that happened in Chicago. So as people that we would consider ourselves um, pretty knowledgeable on Web3, especially now, right? But even when we dove in that first month, like once you dive in, you dive into the rabbit hole. And so you tend to learn a lot. Um, and so when we went to some of these events in Chicago, we were like, okay, they're great, but they're kind of too much for the average person, right? Like if you're going to start learning about Web3, you can't have them onboarded uh, with a wallet and then include the learning about NFTs and include like learning the blockchain into in, in a very deep Um, and just like way too drawn out method, right? So what we ended up doing with our onboarding um, events was really just think of the absolute basics. You attended one of them and we think that um, making them about the blockchain at the beginning and then a little bit about NFT projects and letting each member that was giving a presentation talk about why they're excited about Web3, uh, we thought that would be a great little concoction, I guess, that gets people interested and wanting to learn It was great. Yeah, yeah and, as- I'm, and I'm biased, but it was it was great. <laughs> it was so well executed. And I want to shout out one of the people that you mentioned from the team. He's on Twitter because that's what that's where the NFT and Web3 space is at. Uh, Will creates art who does these amazing sculptures and then also is in the NFT space and has done incredible work. But since you're mentioning blockchain and that being the absolute like fundamental on these onboarding events, Magda, if you could walk us through blockchain for people who are listening to this and you know they're used to the personal finance content uh pre-web3 how would you describe it in simple terms yeah i feel like if you had asked me that last week i would have confidently answered but now i'm taking like the 16 hour intense course of trying to understand what it is so i feel like i'm a little more like just hesitant on answering but orlando correct me if i'm wrong it's just this huge ledger that would be like the best way to explain it for sure. Public ledger, public accountability. And for those that aren't familiar, because I never, like, it's funny in blockchain, you, we have like these words uh, are like vernacular that we use, like ledger, for instance, like I've never used before. It's just like essentially like a journal, like a public record keeping of things uh, that can't be changed. Yeah. When, when I first thought of a ledger, I thought of somebody sitting by a candle, you know, with their <laughs> ink pen and with a feather at the end and yeah. writing in the numbers that come in through the I don't know, I guess the bank house and, and and making sure that everyone sees, putting it in the town square, I guess, for everyone to see. And that's what I kind of envision blockchain to be. It's like this public 
ledger, this public record of uh, who owns what and the record keeping and, and, and in a way accountability and ownership, so many of these other themes uh, listed for people to see. But, but there's also levels to the game is what I learned. Um, there's right. different like levels of ledgers and different ways to slice and dice the data, which absolutely makes sense. Uh, it wouldn't make sense if it, if it wasn't sliced and diced and, you know, there weren't levels of like visibility. Right. Yeah. I think a, a big way to see it is like Orlando said, like a, a data set as well, uh, just something that's very transparent and very open. Um, and what's exciting about that is that everyone gets to build on it as well. Um, and you get to see everything that's happening. So we can dive, I don't know if we're going to dive into that here, um, but it, in a lot of cases, cuts out the middle fluff um, in different industries. So when we take a look at the middle fluff, who who is the middle fluff? Who are some of these kind of people and companies? Yeah. So with real estate, I actually was learning re- recently um, that when it comes to real estate, what they're doing with blockchain is getting rid of notaries. So what they're doing is just using the blockchain as a way to show that like, hey, Magda's selling her home to Orlando and Orlando could look at my wallet, see that I do hold the home on 123 address lane and I could sell it to him and we don't have to pay fees and um, get someone in the middle to basically be like, oh yeah, once we check our records, it's title companies, not notaries. Title companies um, are cut out because we don't necessarily need them to verify anything anymore because now everything is verified on this blockchain that is super secure. Um, and, And yeah, so that's like one example that I could provide. So it's secure. We can see other people's business, essentially, their accountability, and things are a little more clear. How is this exciting um, to to our progress and innovation? What does this enable people to do? And and then I think we can also talk about NFTs, but let's talk a little bit more macro. Like, what does Web3 enable us to do that we couldn't do in Web2? I think one of the biggest changes is definitely with the money movement. So like Bitcoin came out to try and solve a problem that was like money double counting. And it was like a way to have a digital asset that you can send over the internet and just like money. And a lot of people, especially in the Latino community, like we're familiar with like Western Union sending money back home uh, and trying to figure that, but we have to pay incredible fees for that. And like not all the money that we put in essentially is, is retrieved from the person that we sent it to. But like coming from like a finance background as well, like it used to be back in the day you wrote a check. Uh, and then you send it, you try to cash it. And then that money's kind of like pause and it's on hold for a couple of days because they have to call your bank and make sure that you're good for it. And that's usually how it worked. But like now with this public record keeping or public ledger, it's instantly realizable. It's, it's trustless in a way because anyone who has access to the internet has access to the blockchain and can instantly verify whether you're good for it or not. So that just solves like uh, liquidity issues in terms of like not having to wait a week especially like for someone that's living paycheck to paycheck that that's kind of brutal having to like release those funds when you don't have uh, discretionary income. That's the income side. But uh, a lot of like what blockchain has powered is just the creativity and the way to fund like art and passion. Um, and that's really, I think what has brought more people into blockchain because like, yeah, the economic part is, is pretty revolutionary, but it's kind of boring because like a lot of people don't really like financial concepts and economics. But when you like pair culture and art and music with it, uh, it's like a, it's almost a way to trick people into learning their own personal wealth and like how to manage their money. And then also just like uh, let them explore their own creativity in a way that's sustainable. 
Very cool. And I mean, I think it's a perfect segue and way to even tout the work that Magda led out in Chicago, uh, hosting the first uh, Web3 Familia NFT gallery. So I, for creators, I know, Orlando, you talk a lot about access and Magda, community building is your thing. Like for creators, like how does this enable access, but also like community? How does it manifest? Yeah, I would say that like one thing I see when it comes to community is that you can get a ton of people on board to support one creative or a group of creatives and kind of uplift that community with the help or uplift that group with the help of the community, right? Um, and so, for example, Web3 Familia, like we're essentially a community. And through the work that we do um, as the core team and bringing these war resources to people that are within a community, we're able to help them also learn more about Web3. So I feel like Web3 thrives on community. It's the only way that it could live. Um, and I feel like that allows for it to, to just come from like this very wholesome and um, intentional place as opposed to like before, okay, let's try to make this one project, the cell phone case cover do really well because of money reasons, but instead it could be community driven with more intent and with more purpose. Um, if people all vibe with, with the intent, um, if that answers your question. Yeah. And I guess my, my follow-up to that is, is does web three then give this, these creatives or these traditionally marginalized community, uh, communities, Orlando, you talk about people trying to send money back home to their country of origin. Does this kind of give them a closer or, or a better access from an economic perspective? Like how, how does that work? Yeah. Just to talk on the monetary front, Coinbase is actually like launched a really cool tool where you can send USDC. USDC is essentially US dollar coin. It's a stable coin. It every, will always be a dollar because it's backed in the Federal Reserve somewhere with a dollar. So like you essentially turn your fiat coin, your dollar into a USDC coin and you can send that coin abroad. And then people, they pilot it in Mexico. So you can send it to one of the Oxos or one of the like 10,000 or more plus places in Mexico. And people, uh, like say your family member on the other side, can retrieve uh, partial withdrawals from it. So like it's, for instance, it solves like a couple of issues, it solves inflation. So say you send it to a high inflationary country, if mm. they like withdraw all at once, it's going to be immediately susceptible to that country's inflation. But what they can do is like only cipher off what they need to pay the bills and then like, and then the rest can just be staying in USDC and they have access to it whenever they want. So from a monetary standpoint, it solves a lot of issues that we haven't been able to solve, like with traditional like payments and, and wires. Uh, but just from like an artist and creator standpoint, uh, talking about like the, the fluff that we were before, like for an artist, it used to be where like, if you wanted to sell your artwork, you would go to a gallery and galleries would typically take like, it would be like 30% cut of that sale. Um, and that's usually like the only real distribution channel you had. But like, for instance, if an, an artist sold their work for $10,000, they would only see seven. Um, but and the buyer would pay the full 10. But like now you essentially get rid of the middle fluff. And now the, the artist can sell uh, the artwork for less. The buyer can pay less, but the artist will actually capture more because it's not going, it's not getting wasted in all of this fluff. So it just becomes like this new way of one, finding your audience, finding your sellers, because it's all online and digital. But like two, it's like, okay, well, 
who's creating the real value and let's shift more of that money towards the people who are actually creating versus the intermediaries that are have essentially for long have like made a business out of just inserting themselves. Yeah, so it's it's been the middleman because I guess that's how the system is is built, right? Current currently by and large, uh, it, it empowers these businesses, these middlemen. you need these people that are kind of conducting traffic conducting in the middle. Um, that's really interesting what you mentioned about, uh, the stable coins, uh, because even, and I've sent money via Western union. Um, I don't think OXOs are an option. It's like you, you have to send it to like a bank and then it's like coordinating which bank and you had kind of have to like pick up all the, all the cash at once, or it goes direct to your bank account. So that is that is kind of crazy that it it could stay at a stable rate despite inflation, which, as we know, in Latin America is in some countries that are not so economically stable is all over the place. Yeah. And on that point, there's like it's so transparent too. like if you send something to Western Union, you don't really know, like if it got to that account, when it got to that account, if it was retrieved, because you're just waiting for them to essentially tell you or you call home and say, like, hey, like, what's the status? Whereas with the blockchain, like you can always say, stay up to date where that money is, if it's left the account, how much is left. Uh, and that's such like a tool set that we've never had before. Yeah. I'm, I'm curious with the people that you've worked with so far and the Latinos that you've, or, or just people that you've onboarded, where you've seen most success. Because I always, it's always kind of mind blowing to me, although it totally makes sense that Black and Latinos are the biggest adopters of cryptocurrency in the US. And I think that's like a big indicator in terms of where we could be headed. But I'm wondering for Web3 Familia, where have you seen the most success? Like where are you capturing most of your people and what are what are they interested in? What are they what are they at Web3 for? What are they trying to gain? I kind of have an answer for it. So Orlando, if you want to jump in, but I'm trying to think right now. So I feel like we have a lot of people that have been in the Web3 space. Um, already developers, um, people that are tech savvy. And I think that's because of Twitter. Um, and, and Orlando has grown our Twitter really well. He's like a Twitter guru. Um, and so I think he's been able to reach a lot of people through that. But I think obviously we want to onboard people that aren't super familiar with even how to, you know, do regular things on the internet. Um, like my mom, for example, right? So how do we reach those people? And I think that's why we have to do a mix of how we outreach. And that's why we've had so many in real life events in Chicago. Um, so I would like to say that we have a ton of people that are already kind of familiar with the space, but equally as much people that are super new to the space um, and that have probably learned by word of mouth or a person in, in real life has told them about Web3 Familia. Yeah. And also just the the nature of us being a community, like Mag said on it earlier, and it's an incredibly powerful point that Web3 really wouldn't exist if it wasn't like this community first approach. Um, because one, it's a new technology. We have no idea really, like we have guesses where it's going, but we don't really know. So we need to make sure that like this is going to be around for the long term, especially if we're putting like our own income and time into it. Um, but having the community, it's like you have to find that trust. And that trust comes from like meeting with people, like thinking things through the goods and the bad. Uh, and then meeting in person through like the Chicago workshops, like that's an incredibly powerful way to overcome that trust barrier. Uh, so with Web3 Familia, one of the things is like, we don't really say, hey, we have these funnels where we can let you find your space on Web3, but instead we offer this space for people to voice what interests them and then them kind of self-select into pods on what interests them the most, whether it's 
NFT investing, creating an NFT, joining a DAO, uh, or getting into DeFi and knowing like where to put their money to work. And it, we did a poll really early on um, because we were wondering, okay, NFTs seem to be or like all the, all the rage. Uh, we expected like many people, and that was like the most active channel on our Discord, but it was like, okay, what do you want to learn? And it was perfectly split between DeFi, DAOs, and NFTs, which just means that like, yeah, we're, we're, we're focused on Latinos, but even within Latinos, we just have diverse uh, expectations and like interests in the space and what we want to get out of this space. And that's important uh, to cultivate. I wanted to hit on one of the things that you just mentioned because it's so fascinating to me, and that's the DAO, uh, Decentralized Autonomous Organization. Did I get that right? <laughs> and so I'm just kind of like, it's really hard for me to wrap my head around it, but this is a self-managed organization run by blockchain contracts. But a big, so, so my question is a big part of organizations has to do with like social things as well. Like how is, walk me through a DAO and then, and then I want to know, like, how is that like social aspect, like all of the politics, like how is that factored into the structure of an organization in this like utopian Web3? So I tend to ask questions in groups. So first of all, what is a DAO? I, I can I can take this one. Uh, for our DAO, we are actually Web3 Familia is a DAO on chain. So we're shout out to Near. We're a DAO on the Near platform. Uh, and like you said, it's a decentralized autonomous organization. And I like to think of it kind of like a, like a crypto LLC of sorts. And all it's really trying to accomplish is a better, more efficient way to socially coordinate towards one goal. And our goal is to onboard a million Latinos into blockchain, but we want to do that in the most transparent way, uh, by putting every proposal that we do, every strategic step that we do on the blockchain and have like the community as a whole vote on it to make sure all voices are heard. Now, I will say like DAOs are in their infancy. Uh, they're incredibly hard to truly pull off. I would say like 90% of DAOs are not fully decentralized yet or autonomous. It's still a lot of like people behind it uh, deciding on what they want to propose and will put up for community vote. Uh, but it's like the, the baby steps towards having a much more um, fair and transparent way of like building and then making sure that like, hey, you see this person proposing all of these things, uh, contributing all of this work, they should be equally compensated for it. So it's just another level of accountability in terms of like, say like back in the day when you had like school projects, sometimes like one person would like take all the brunt of the work and like push it forward. But with DAOs, like you see that in like corporate America too, but with DAOs, it's more transparent. Uh, and then you can say, okay, well, that person contributed 80% of the value. They should get 80% of uh, compensation uh, from that. So that's something we're trying to figure out. But like, we think it's a really cool step uh, in the right direction. Uh, but it's far from perfect. So Web3 Familia, you said, is operating as a DAO. And you would say that currently because I noticed that there's four founders, right? So how does that work between the four of you Um in a DAO so that I can kind of envision how that would be separate from like a company with four founders in web two. So on near the four of us are the only ones that are registered on that DAO. So when it comes to having a proposal or like voting someone in, like we all voted each other in. Um, but the thing is like when we're this small, it's so easy to be like, Oh yeah, yeah, we got to vote Magda in. Okay, cool. Let's all hop on and do it right now. Right. And so 
the bigger this gets, and we have a huge community, right? We have almost 7K on Twitter. We have over a thousand on Discord. Um, the bigger it gets, I think the engagement piece is hard and like everyone understanding how it works is hard, right? So um, so currently, I think it's really easy for us as the core group to kind of hop on and vote on like, hey, we have a couple scholarships we want to give out. Should we give it to, out to like as a, as a poll, as a um, something someone has to apply for or what should we do? Um, but later on when we add more people in, I think um, like Orlando was mentioning, like I think it's just hard to kind of make that happen because of how early we are in the space. Um, and so, yeah. Yeah, no, I think that's super fascinating. And especially when you mention like the amount of like compensation or credit going to the per to the con- directly to the contributions that they make and all of that being documented. I, I am curious, and maybe you don't have an answer for me yet because of how small Web3 Familia is at the moment up top, or I don't know. I don't know if you call it up top in this structure. Maybe it's like out in the founding team. Um, but I wonder how it how it accounts for how do you make sure like social politics, right? Things that tend to like as, as organizations expand, these things tend to develop like organizational politics and bias and preferential treatment. Is there any documentation that Web3 kind of lays out for these kind of just we're all human, right? Like we're, we're, we're on Web3, but we're human at the end of the day. How does it interact with that part of, of, of who we are? I think that's a, a fascinating question. Um, I think we're where we are like bullish on DAOs because we want that technology to work and we want there to be like public transparent accountability. Um, but it, it's the way it works in practice is it's very hard to get people to uh, take time away from their busy lives to vote on things continually. Uh, that's just like the nature of things. Like even uh, shout out to Doodles, an amazing NFT project where every single Doodle, there's 10,000 of them. Every single one of them is like worth the amount of a car. And like they have their own DAO structure and they still have tough times getting enough people to vote. So like when people even have so much of their like a considerable amount of funds allocated towards a DAO, they st- it's still hard getting them to be like, hey, on Tuesday, this vote's going to close. Let's get people involved. Um, so that's a, that's a piece that we need to figure out in the space. Um, because uh, once we do, it, it will move so much quicker because there is, it's less trustless. You don't have to run things by it. Um, you'll leave it up to essentially to the smart contract to determine whether or not something goes forward. And essentially you have like eight cars going in the same direction at once. So you get further quicker. Uh, but right now in terms of like how manual it is, it would be up for us to say, like in a corporate structure, whether or not um, politics should be discussed in the workplace. Like that's a big question that came up with, for instance, Coinbase like two years ago. Um, and like that would be up to a human to determine, okay, we're going to set up this up for proposal. But then like your failure point would be whether or not that human, one of the leading teams who are in the DAO, finds it worthy enough to submit for proposal. So like the going forward, ideally you want to minimize those failure points and make it less human and human. But like right now, uh, it's very much, it's like we're like um, just augmented by the technology, but not fully immersed in it yet. Yeah, it's it's really interesting to watch it unfold and, and watch reports unfold from from like case studies, essentially, and learn by trial is, is what I'm seeing from uh, a few like reports and DAOs. Um, 
but super interesting. I'll definitely keep an eye on it. Uh, who who else is on the founding team? I want to know a little bit more about them too, even though they couldn't join us today. Yeah, everyone's a rock star. Um, so we've got Christian Narvaez, uh, Francisco, how do you say his last name, Orlando? Iskere. Yeah. And then uh, and then Aaron, is it Casillas? Casilla. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, do you know a little bit more about their backgrounds? Because you've known them a yeah. little bit longer than me. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Christian, I mean, like, uh, I would say one of his superpowers is just, like, I swear there's, like, three of him at once. He's, like, everywhere, but you need to be really, like, uh, like extroverted and just amazing, like, loving individual that, like, knows how to bring people together and, like, make sure that, like, he can, like, have two individuals create value from each other. Uh, if there's a conference, Christian yeah. is there. Yeah. He's at every <laughs> single conference. Yeah. <laughs> Incredible to see. I don't know if he sleeps, but he's there. <laughs> um, and uh, Cisco, incredible engineer, uh, also like a uh, multi-time founder uh, and like really brings up like the technical expertise and also just incredible human being. Um, and Aaron, uh, OG crypto. Uh, he's been in crypto since I believe 2013, 2014. He's been at DAO since like 2017. Uh, so incredible wealth of knowledge, uh, biggest heart of any human I've ever known. Um, and together, like we've been able to like come at uh, Web3 Familia from a way of like, hey, like we don't all have to have all the same superpowers, but like together, like we should be able to like, um, like give value to all the different personalities within our community. That's something that I found when when speaking to different founders that just your founding team, making sure that everybody complements each other and like whatever superpower I don't have, you have and so forth and so forth. So I think it's really awesome that you found this really great mix of people that bring so many just different like attributes to the team to make it a, a success. Uh, and again, just really excited to follow your, your growth because there's, there's a clear goal in sight here. And so the journey to that will be super exciting. Um, as I think about like Latinos and, and progress in the Web3 space, uh, I, I also think about also like who is the most excited and who like might be a little bit harder to get their buy in from. And I tend to think of like, you know, our parents and uh, maybe not immigrants now, because actually I do find that a lot of immigrants that have recently moved to the States and especially are younger are actually very keen on using crypto, but perhaps older generations um, are the ones that come to mind, especially because there's been so much distrust with institutions in general and, and then technology. So how are you thinking about engaging these audiences, whether they're like Spanish first speakers or uh, older audiences who are, are, are also distrustful of banks? I, I think just one step at a time, right? So, so for sure, um, the events that we've had in Chicago, there's usually like an audience that will come out that's willing to listen, that's willing to be there. Um, and my thing is that I'm hoping that they're going to go tell their moms, right, and their parents. And so, like, we even saw there was an artist at the um, NFT gallery, Man Manny. Many ideas, and he brought his whole family. I saw his mom. Um, I believe it was his dad, but he brought in a whole crew of family members. And so I'm hoping that, like, by us getting involved, whatever generation you're a part of um, in Web three, you're able to do something in the space, maybe learn a little bit about yourself, and then bring a family member to that space as well. So then, obviously, 
they come with someone that they trust, aka you, and are willing to listen to what this space might be. Um, to this day, my mom and my dad are just good supporters of me, and they know that this is kind of happening. Um, but as I continue learning, of course, like I will continue teaching them the more I learn. But since we're so early on, I think it's just about educating who's interested right now and then hoping that they tell a friend, um, a family member, and so on. But Orlando, add on if you'd like to as well. Yeah, I, I think that's like being on. And especially um, you when you messaging, you have to take that audience into mind. So it's hard to do like one message that's going to uh, like land on everyone's ears. But uh, for like more of the older crowd, uh, like our parents are, are older than them, um, you have to approach it from like a very, very high level, simple, like, hey, this is why you should be interested because there's a couple gaps you have to cover. One, you have to cover like, possibly the finance gap. Then you have to cover the tech gap. And this is like a mixture of both, which makes it that much harder. Um, so like for my parents, it took me, despite being in finance for about like 10 years, it took me like all 10 years to convince them to just invest in stocks. So like, uh, that's, which is one of the reasons like what three familia came around, but I was actually able to then invest them, uh, in crypto because like they got over the barrier of like, okay, well now, now my money is like working for me versus just being in the CD. Like it's not that much of a hurdle to think that this other investment vehicle, crypto, uh, is just another investment that I should like diversify into. Um, so like it's as long as we don't assume that they won't get that like the the philosophy of investing, like we can just say like, hey, this is another uh, risky asset class, so don't invest more than you can lose. But like we see a lot of opportunity here, um, and they tend to get it. At least my parents did, and they even bought an NFT uh, and they made money on that, which was like pretty wild. Uh, but obviously, like. I was, I was kind of training wheels for them. And I think in a lot of maybe Latino households, like it's the younger generation that are kind of the CFO of the households where they can like they know what to invest in and they like know they can give advice. So as long as yeah. you cater to someone in the household, kind of like Mags was saying, like the rest of the household will be better off because of it. Yeah, no, plus one to everything you just said um, about from everything from it takes a long time to get your parents onboarded if you're starting at like base zero because right now I'm in the middle of having conversations with my parents even about they have properties. What are we going to do like long term? We need to also write wills and 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 an estate plan. So um, there's there's a lot there and it just takes a while depending on where you start with your parents. Uh, what NFTs did they buy? Dead fellas. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah, was, okay, hold up. I feel like I'm going to have to link to them in the show notes. I'm also yeah. looking them up because I've heard I've heard of them, but I haven't. Oh, these are crazy! Yeah, you should have seen the text. It was just like like I was telling them like, look, you should look into this. I know they're super ugly, and they're like, my mom was like, <laughs> what titos? Like, what are those things? And I was just like, yeah, they're dead, and it's a digital JPEG. But trust me, like, <laughs> there's a lot of potential here because like I believe in the founders of the project, and I like pitched them on that the way I would pitch like a VC or angel investor on a startup because that's essentially what NFT projects are. They are startups with founders and a business behind it. And they understood yep. that concept and they're like, okay, Mijo. And then they trust you. Out. So again, again, yeah. you're the, you're the proxy, you're the like conduit to Magda's point where it's on, it's on us, it's on me, it's on you uh, to, to bring our, our parents <laughs> and, and, or people just in general no who have a little bit more like of a, we need to build a more of a bridge to bridge that gap. I'm looking up dead fellas for anyone who hasn't seen it. It's like these, uh, I'm trying to describe it like Frankenstein. 
like little zombies or Frankensteins. There's one with like a, a triple eye right here. Wow, they're wacky. I love, I love the art. Like, I've always found art uh, fascinating. I think like my soul is more of art, and it's just by coincidence that I ended up in business news. <laughs> but these, it, it's been so cool to see the projects that come out of uh, NFTs and what people are building there. Um, so let's talk about the the market for a second because I think it's been on everyone's minds, and this episode will probably be released a few weeks after the fact this interview happens but the 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 bear the 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 matter of fact is that the the market hasn't been doing too well and it has people in a bit of a freak out mode right now right um so what i guess what like advice would you give to anyone who's new to the web3 space and they're sitting here and they're like these nfts like uh the floor price on some of these is like is I, I think I just looked up point um deadfellas it's like point eight. What it's would I say ETH? Or what yeah. what would the currency be? Right? Because it's ETH to purchase these. Yeah. So so what what is your take on what's happening right now and like how should people react to that? Like I think in the stock market sometimes people are like, buy the dip. Like what what does that mean for <laughs> what does that mean for the NFT market as people try to get in here? I, th I think to anyone new to Web3, um, it's important to decouple uh, one investing from like the technology. So like you can either go into Web3 to make money or you can go into it because you believe in the technology that's going to improve current ways. So like if you're going into it to make money, totally fine. But no, that is an alternative investment, which means it's risky and there's high chance of rewards and there's high chance of losing all your money. Uh, and in the NFT space, some projects will go to zero uh, because there's not a lot of regulations behind it. And some of the founders that start the NFT projects may feel like uh, get bored or walk away. And that's called like rugging a project. And like, there's nothing you can do about it. Like, um, because I mean, that's the nature of the game. But that doesn't usually matter in a bull market where like the number always goes up. Uh, so like it was the case for at least probably like most of 2021, where the number was just going up, going up, ETH ran up to $4,800. Now ETH is around 1200 so about a fourth of that. Um, and like NFT project, you could toss money anywhere as long as you were in NFTs and you were likely to make money. Now you have to be a lot more conservative and you have to go back to kind of much more of a value-based approach, how you would like in the stock market in terms of like, okay, if I'm going to put my money to work in an NFT do I think that this NFT is going to be around a year from now? How about five? How about 10? Like, does this have an enduring brand? Are the founders committed enough for staying around through the bad times? Do they have enough capital on hand to like survive and still pay their employees to make sure that there's progress made? Uh, and I think now it's uh, much more of a, uh, I think amazing like financial literacy learning lesson, to be honest, in this market. Uh, but like the number one advice to invest now is, Never, ever invest more than you can lose. If you are uncomfortable right now with your positions, reevaluate how much you have there and take appropriate measures to make sure that like you're not uh, like not able to like pay your month's rent because you have it like invested in awesome NFTs. Like first take deep, like take stock of like your priorities. And if you can afford to invest in NFTs, invest in the ones that you have the most conviction in and not just the ones that um, like someone just told you about, because you should always, always do your own due diligence and make that decision for yourself. 
Yeah, good takeaways in during like bear market uh, kind of period we're in right now. And um, I'll, I mean, I'll say this because I do think it's important that we do understand financial literacy as we begin investing. And I think it matters even more in like um, in a, in a place that can be like even more volatile um, and where we're learning a lot of new things. Um, so that said, I would be of the camp that says like, if you're investing in NFTs, you should have also a a plan um, for making sure you're set, whether it's a retirement uh, plan, that that's my preference, or like some people have different formats. I hear people talking about their sabbaticals. They're like, I'm not going to wait till retire till I'm X. I'm just going to take sabbaticals every six years. I'm like, do you? But just like make sure you CYA, you know, uh, just take care of you. Make sure that you're covered for in case of emergencies, have that savings account, invest um, in, I mean, the equivalent of what you said, Orlando, really, in things that you deem safe and things that you deem secure because the business projections are positive. Um I guess the last question I have for you all, we're, we're already here. Um, <laughs> what has been your biggest money learning? I ask all the guests this and yeah, just eager to hear your responses. Is that just basically like, what's the biggest thing I've learned with money? Or? What's your biggest? Yeah. What have you learned about money? Like maybe if you could apply it to Web3, I mean, Orlando, you're from a financial background, so I'm sure there's been like over the years, but like, what has Web3 taught you about money that you didn't know before? I think that for me personally, like the biggest lesson uh, was the reason I got into Web3. It's like, so uh, to expand a little bit more on my background, I was in private wealth and I managed the money of billionaires, like literally like $100 million in net worth and up. Uh, and none of the things that they invested in applied to my family and my community. I couldn't invest in them. So I wasn't te- like learning how to manage my own money. Uh, and it was very clear back then that like, if you have enough money, if you're rich enough, uh, you're going to be all right. And money makes money. Um, and like, there's like regulations in place to prevent people from overextending themselves, which like makes sense in some cases, but not in all cases. So with web three, it comes back down to this like access, like, Back then, I was helping millionaires invest in vehicles that would give you like 20% returns, 30% returns, where like your savings account was giving people like less than 1%. Like now, anyone with access to the internet can invest in the same investment vehicles that the billionaire can, that the millionaire can. So there's no like barrier to access besides like the actual capital. So if you have $100, you can put it in ETH and a billionaire can put it in ETH and it's the same ETH. Like it will go up and down in the same correlation, which is amazing. Uh, and that's never been the case before because uh, most things are regulated. Like you have to have a certain level of income to invest in startups and high returning assets. Uh, and that's to keep the retail investor, uh, quote unquote, safe. Uh, but right now, the biggest learning I've, I've seen is I've met some of the like brightest minds um, uh, like in Web3. Uh, like they understand economics, they understand finance. They are the best investors that I can say. But because they don't meet certain requirements, they are not able to invest in the things that they want to invest and that they understand fully. And I think that is not okay Um, because like there shouldn't, that's the way to like prevent and to um, minimize the wealth gap is to allow the people that are willing to put in the time to invest how they see fit when they're educated. And in Web3, we're finally seeing that um, and we probably won't see it for long. Uh, there's regulations coming out. 
uh, from the Supreme Court and this space will be regulated. But right now is when like I would urge anyone to like understand the space, like learn the space, find the opportunities because they are there and there's nothing keeping you from them uh, besides your willingness and time to commit to learning them. And that's an amazing like self-responsibility that like and um, like valuable thing that we've been like we've received. Yeah, and I, I don't come from the same background as Orlando. So when it comes to money, I actually have always been, um, I'm, I'm the kind of person that still needs to work on my relationship with money uh, because it's just something that I haven't been able to, like my folks didn't show me like how to invest and such. And so it's something that I'm trying to do for myself so I can show my kids. Uh, but nonetheless, Web3 has kind of gotten me curious about the origins of money and like what the history of the dollar looks like and why value can now be placed into tokens and what that means for the future. And so um, it's gotten me curious about that and why the dollar can one day be a thing of the past and Ethereum or whatever tokens can be a thing of the future. And so it's gotten me to explore, I would say, um, explore what money, uh, what holds value and um, just kind of go into that realm a little more. Amazing. No, thank you so much both for your time. And I, I think Web3 Familia is doing great work that I think like uh, Orlando, you mentioned this earlier, but to your point is inviting people into a space where our communities haven't always felt received. Um, and from the day that I walked into that uh, onboarding event in Chicago, I could tell we were received. Like the fact that I saw artists in a space where we were talking about money, I was like, you know, like uh, Orlando, I'm sure you felt the same way. You're you're helping billionaires and millionaires build their wealth. Like I worked at NASDAQ, like I'm just not used to and obviously knowing that I want to see it change, but not used to seeing the two in the same space and uh, just seeing those two kind of like opportunities come together, like is something really, really special. And so I think that's exactly what y'all have here. And I'm really excited to see it grow. Thank you so much. We're super excited because it's obviously the beginning of a very long journey, but um, excited to be bringing on more people for sure. All right. Thanks, you both. And where can we follow Web3 Familia online? You can follow us on Twitter, uh, Web3 Familia, uh, Instagram, uh, a little bit of LinkedIn, and also our website. Uh, and uh, also, please join our Discord. That's where we can have uh, the most active real-time conversations and where a lot of that trust is built. Uh, so feel free. Uh, beginners welcome. Experts welcome. Everyone's welcome. We're also Latinx focused, but we're not exclusive. So literally everyone is welcome as long as people have uh, like it in their hearts to like just do well for the community. Amazing. We'll see you on Discord. Thanks so much, Magda. Thanks, Orlando. Thank you, mi gente, for joining us this week on Moneda Moves. Before you go, please make sure to hit follow on this podcast so you can receive new episodes right when they are released. You can follow right now in the app you're using to listen to this podcast. Also, continue keeping cuentas and keeping tabs on our Latinx community and Money Moves via our free newsletter written by yours truly at monedamoves.substack.com. That's monedamoves.substack.com. I'll see you there. Hasta la próxima.